Hello and welcome to Exhibiting Dread, a new short fiction anthology series made by me, Andy Grace Hayes. Um, each one centers around the art industry in one way or another, and I'm looking forward to doing loads and loads of them. So here's the first one. The doorbell made a buzzing noise, not a ding-dong or a chime. It buzzed as long as she held her finger to the surface of the brushed metal plate depressed into the wall. Two seconds. The outside of the building was ordinary, the walls made of sandstone and the windows frosted. The front was forgettable, and the window dressing gave no indication as to the nature of the business inside. The window was only labelled in the lower left corner with bold type that read burned. The remainder of the space remained grey. Above the door, a plastic sign jutted out from the sandstone brick. The sign read Agoria. A black-grey mass shifted in view of the opaque glass door, and Julia stood back from it, eager not to be struck in the face upon its opening. She looked down the street at nothing so as not to appear desperate. She thought about looking back only when the door opened like she was caught off guard, as though whoever might answer the door wouldn't know she was the one that buzzed it. She thought if she ran now, she might remain unseen. The receptionist opened the door. It swung inward. Julia moved her head like a rust-constricted animatronic away from the car she was staring at to the receptionist. She's hot, she thought. They always are. An embrace of women with long hands and dark hair stood in the doorway, a step off the ground. Her eyes leveled with the fourth button on her shirt, a plain black cotton button-up. The receptionist didn't say anything. If you're hot, you don't have to, as is your right. Is the exhibition still on? I don't have an appointment. Julia stiffened up. The receptionist's name was Francesca. The night before, her pet cat Fanny had died, and she still hadn't recovered from the alcohol she drank for comfort that evening. Yes, and that's fine. You don't need one. Francesca, better known to her friends as Franny, turned around and sat at a white desk behind a silver computer next to the door. Out of Julia's view, she continued to complete the crossword puzzle on her screen. She was trying to figure out nine down, some execs, three letters, the last an S for the beginning of 19 across, it'll give a chip zip, five letters, salsa. She clasped her hands under her chin and Julia picked up a sheet of paper next to a comments book on the end of the table. If you have any questions, let me know. She typed the letters V and P. Julia turned on the spot to orienteer herself in the space. She looked down at the piece of paper. The exhibition was by the British artist David Roster. A small piece of text listed where he exhibited last, his schooling, and some awards he won. On the reverse, a map of the works in the gallery was illustrated. To Julia's horror, and had she known she would never have come here, the gallery floor plan was only a measly rectangle. She looked up. The blood drained from her face like when Franny lost Fanny. The only other door was a closed white one, in the middle in black seven letters, private. In the middle of the gallery, Julia steadied her body, exposed entirely to Francesca, a snake among tall grass. She made slow steps around the space. On each wall hung two framed drawings of charcoal smudges. On the floor was a burned-out campfire. Julia's palms began to sweat. They're all the same, she thought. Julia feigned interest in a drawing. She got up close to the glass of the frame and looked at the charcoal mark that moved from the top right corner to the bottom left. Her feet felt heavy, her mouth dry. The air in the gallery dwindled as the campfire was extinguished from a lack of oxygen. She turned to the text. Francesca's eyes burned a red-hot mark on the side of Julia's temple. 
Each drawing was untitled, and the campfire was called Cinder Number Three. Condemned, she knew there was nothing more to learn. The spot grew hotter where Francesca could be looking, but she didn't dare confirm it lest the shame blinded her. The gaze would turn searing and explode her head and brain all over the walls of the gallery. Worker always seen with a beard, Francesca read. Nine letters, she mumbled. She made a face and curled the corners of her lips in an exaggerated downward arch. Julia could hear her typing, something important and hot. Worker always seen with a beard, crossword. She hit enter. Julia looked at the next drawing, her heels clicked on the concrete floor. It was the same as the last drawing. From the street outside, through the frosted glass window, no one would see the torment inside. A slow, silent anguish, trapped in a prison of manners and hospitality, Julia crouched down next to the campfire. She imagined it was burning. If only I was on fire, I could leave. Julia would excuse herself. Sorry, do you have anything for this? She would ask politely, holding a flaming sleeve up to the receptionist, the fabric fusing to the flesh, fire red glowing against her face. Francesca would look up. Sorry, no, we actually don't, but there's a puddle just outside on the left. Julia thought of the blissful cue at minor injuries, the calming powder blue skirting boards, and the smell of disinfectant. She found nothing worth noting in the emblazoned charcoal ring. Francesca, peeved by her own cheating, unaware of the nervous wreck in her gallery, typed out Mall Santa. Julia resolved to stand up and look at each work in the gallery for at least a moment, five minutes each. When she would leave, Francesca would think she was intelligent. Julia moved to the next two drawings. She stood back as far as the space would allow, taking in both at once. Nothing. Of all the work to make on this earth, someone called David chose to ruin Julia's day. She oscillated, walking in and out from the frames as though movement communicated to Francesca deep engagement. She was sending a message to her friend Michael. One hand under her chin, the other's index lazily typing out her responses. When can you get here? Francesca asked Michael to pick up her car keys from reception that morning. Julia shifted her weight from one foot to the other, and Fanny, the dead cat, waited in an Adidas shoebox on the back seat of Francesca's car to be collected for cremation at the veterinarian's office. The clinic was closed outside of Agoria's office hours. Francesca had left the car window open to stop the cat's decaying smell from lingering on the upholstery. She imagined the swollen pregnant fly that would crawl in through the crack, buzz onto the box's surface, crawl through the gap under the lid and lay her eggs. Michael would swat away one or two from around the box, He'd think nothing of it, she thought, and marched to the vet with her dead cat. What's that? A receptionist demanded to know. What's in that box? Show me, she would say, and Michael would open the box. A fountain of maggots and flies erupts up to the ceiling fan, the black mass spread out across the cool surface of the office, cascading down the walls and onto the waiting room chairs in a flurry of obscenity. Francesca closed her mouth and readjusted herself in her swivel chair. She looked at the back of Julia's head and then back at her computer. A car drove past on the street outside the gallery. Julia was alone here. No one was coming to save her. No one will ever find my body here. Julia looked at the window, one less wall to consider. She looked back at the other four smudges she had viewed, and to the piece of paper again. One, two, three, four. The panic raised through her, into her chest, streaked up her neck and into her head, nestled among the roots of her hair. The last two drawings were behind Francesca's head. 
Julia had an easier time conceptualizing an imminent murder-suicide than standing in front of Francesca looking at plain art. She looked up at the receptionist, still peering at her screen, and looked away. In a display of bravery, Julia rounded the campfire and stood two feet from the edge of the desk. She squinted at the drawings, nothing felt worse than this. She was on fire. Francesca looked at her, she was sick now, ill with shame. Francesca made an attempt to smile. She pushed the idea of rooms engulfed in blue bottle flies from her mind. She looked back, knowing the gesture failed. Her face moved only in a rude twitch, neither smiling nor frowning. Julia motioned for the door. Her mouth said thank you. Inside, the doorbell made another buzzing sound. Hell has been kinder, Julia thought. The two women looked each other over again. Francesca slid from her chair and rounded the corner of the desk in one smooth motion. She snatched a set of car keys from the glassy surface of the desk and reached for the green release button on the wall. Michael stood in the doorway. He caught sight of Francesca and smiled wide before he saw Julia. He looked back at his friend. Here they are, Francesca said. Her voice was out of tune. It caught on her words. She cleared her throat. It's the button on the left. She's on the back seat. Right. I'll call you later on. Promise and she closed the door. Julia imagined Francesca's life. Had she left her child in the backseat of the car? The childminder on holiday to Greece and her ex-husband out of town? Michael could be a co-parent, a friend of hers interested in raising a family but unable to find the funds for surrogacy or adoption with his unemployed partner Jacob. Oh, Francesca saw Julia was still beside her. She reached for the button again and Julia returned from her trance. No, it's not a problem. Julia fumbled for the pull handle. Thanks again. See you soon. Francesca still held on to the release button with her palm. She smiled and furrowed her brow. Julia leapt from the threshold of the door, expelled from the gallery like a drunkard, cast from her security. The plainness of the building's exterior and the display of mundanity struck her. It rattled inside her head from side to side. She held on to the piece of paper still, haphazardly folded it in four and stuffed it into her jacket. She set off down the street, her hands in either pocket, one gripped tight around the handout. It was over. Michael walked past her, fast, holding a foul-smelling Adidas shoebox in both hands. She made no attempt to amend their non-introduction. She turned her attention to the ground. Francesca returned to her desk. Fanny lay dead. And Michael, walking to the curb of the street, found his foot inserted in the open end of a large coffee cup. He moved over onto one foot, stepped down into the gutter, and tripped on his other. His body beckoned forward, the box outstretched in front of him. At once, Fanny ejected from her coffin, a black and white cat flung through the air. Michael yelled, Julia returned her gaze to the street. Fanny's lifeless body hit the middle of the empty road and rolled across the lane line. Michael prized the plastic cup from his foot. Julia looked on, she had stopped walking to stare at him. Christ. Thank you for God. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to listen to the very first one of these. Uh, my name is Andy Grace Hayes. This has been Exhibiting Dread, and I will be doing probably more of these. So if you would like to hang around, you can subscribe to the podcast or you can just follow my newsletter, which is at andygracehayes.substack.com.